Hello and welcome to Girl Meets Bible, a podcast where I explore the Bible one passage at a time. I'm also going through this with a small group, and so I'll reference the girls in that small group probably a lot over the course of this podcast. We're starting off studying the Psalms, one Psalm a week, and I'll share what we talked about and what I learned from studying the psalm. I'm really excited to be going on this journey, and I hope you'll take it with me. And with that, let's go ahead and get started. Psalm 1 Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We begin with Psalm 1, which is a bit of an introduction to the whole theme of the Psalms, as well as being the first Psalm. It is contrasting the righteous man and the ungodly man. And that is really what a lot of the Psalms spend time doing, uh, talking about the contrast between the righteous man that God judges, that God knows, that God protects and upholds and loves, and compared that to the ungodly, who God judges, who God punishes, who God um, turns his face against etc. And this choice of who you are going to be is presented in the Psalms and, of course, in the rest of Scripture as the gospel story unfolds. So let's take a look at the Psalm and see what they have to say about, or what, I'm sorry, what the author has to say about who is righteous and who is ungodly. The first characteristics of the godly man that we're given in the Psalm is not so much what they are as much as what they are not. So it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So you've got these three things, these characteristics of the godly that are really them avoiding the ungodly people. Um, So they're avoiding the ungodly or scoffers or the scornful uh, or, or sinners, sorry. And that was kind of an interesting thing that I noticed for the first time on reading this time, actually, um, that it's a huge, a huge part of it is association and choosing not to associate with wickedness and wicked people is really a huge part of being a righteous man. Not to say you can't have friends that are unsaved, but that 
that's not who you identify as and that's not who you identify with as being your kind of person, an ungodly, sinning scoffer. Uh, That's not you and that's not how you choose to spend your time. And then another thing along those lines is that this is very much spending time in an ongoing way. All of these verbs, I don't know enough grammar to tell you what kind of verb they are, if some kind of present imperfect or present perfect or something. Um, but they're all ongoing. So you stand in the way of sinners. Uh, you walk in the counsel of the ungodly. This is something that happens continuously. And um, the things that define a righteous person then are not just moments in time. Like the movies say, it's like, oh, it's a moment, you know, and a defining moment in time. It's not really how it is. It's actually your choices on an ongoing basis that make you who you are and make you either a righteous person or an unrighteous person. After the contrast of the godly and the ungodly in the earlier verses, we get a more complete or a more picturesque look at what the godly person actually is like. And if we look at this simile, simile, metaphor, uh, it, it says that the righteous man is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And this is a really lovely word picture that I think can uh, can really be delved into deeply. Uh, so first of all, if we look at the tree, a tree is actually a very broadly used uh, metaphor in the Bible. So the tree shows up on the very in the very first story um, involving humans anyway, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And the river of water is also very early in the creation story where um, the river flowed through Eden. And the river um, is also in Revelation, too. So this tree and river um, picture is really used throughout the Bible. And uh, I think that that's significant. Now, what what does it mean that the righteous person is like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water? Well, the reason that this metaphor is powerful is because we all kind of get the picture of what a tree is like when it's planted by water. Uh, Granted, this would have been a more uh, relational, uh, would have made more sense to the audience at the time because they um, were in a desert. You know, Israel is a very dry country. And so a tree that is not planted by the water is very different than a tree that has a constant water source. So the tree planted by the water uh, will survive, for one thing. Uh, But then also, you know, it brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Um, These all kind of relate together as being um, 
contrasting to a tree that's not planted by water, the wheat leaf will wither when in the dry season. Um, the fruit will not come forth. So even though this tree will go through dry seasons, it will always be near the water. And um, if any of y'all have ever made, raised plants or made uh, planted anything, you know that, uh, replanted rather, um, you'll probably know that you need to actually starve plants for a while when you first plant them or else they'll never really get rooted. Uh, I know this is true with succulents, maybe this isn't true with other plants, but if you just water them right away, the roots will never grow. So you have to let them be dry for a while so that they start to shoot out the roots looking for this stream of water. And I think that's kind of a cool thing to think about when you talk about being planted by the rivers. You're planted there, and when the dry seasons come, those roots need to go deeper and deeper looking for the river of water. And what is the river of water? It's, it's God's word. Because we delight in the law of the Lord, and we meditate on it day and night, as um, you see earlier in the psalm. And so that relationship between the tree and the river of absolute necessity is, is super valuable. And then this next phrase, the bringing forth his fruit in his season. Now this is also really cool because um, the leaf doesn't wither. We're always connected to the source, but that doesn't mean that we're always looking the same. Our lives will not always consistently be bringing forth all kinds of glorious fruit for the kingdom of God. When they're dry seasons, when things are not going well, um, when it seems like we're just working and waiting, that doesn't mean that we're not drawing on, on the streams of life. It doesn't mean that we're disconnected from God necessarily. It means that it's not our season. Um, so this is, this is something that's actually really encouraging to me, is that it's not... Just because you're not bearing fruit right now doesn't mean that you're not following Christ. Now, this also means, though, that you will bring forth fruit in your season. So if there's never fruit, that does mean that there's a problem. And uh, that would be something that would indicate that, you know, we're not really planted by the streams of water. Uh, this So this tree... Uh, metaphor is really, really kind of cool and deep, and I think that it can go even deeper uh, if you want to. Uh, and of course, this is contrasted to the chaff that the wind just blows away. Uh, it's a very drastic contrast. Chaff has no connection. It's not alive. It's dead. It's fallen off the plant, um, and it's blown about by every wind. So, I guess the moral of the story here is be connected to the source of life, to the river of water, to the law of God. Now, relating this metaphor of being planted by the rivers of water back to earlier where it says his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. 
Um, the question becomes, you know, what, what does it mean to drink from that river of water and to meditate on the law of God? And um, this is something that Tim Keller talks about in his sermon. You should check it out, <laughs> his sermon about meditation on the Psalms. He talks about the Psalm a lot. Um, but I thought it was really helpful. Basically, um, meditation and the law of God are words that we don't really necessarily have the best understanding of. Um, first of all, the law of God, what does that mean? Uh, it would make sense if the law of God was you know, the Pentateuch or the Ten Commandments plus the other commandments that God gave Moses. But that's not actually how the biblical writers refer to the law. So Jesus, we can look at specifically, and uh, he talks about the law as being basically the sum of the Old Testament prophets. So uh, he several times makes mention of, have you not read in your law? And then he'll proceed to quote areas of the Psalms or of the other prophets. Uh, let's take a look at an example of this. In John 10, verses 34 and 30 through 36, uh, for the whole context, but let's just look at 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? So what uh, the quote here is, is I said, you are gods. What is that quoting? Well, it is quoting, in fact, Psalm 82, verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. So Jesus, in this one instance, calls the Psalm 82 the law of God. And this gives us some insight that the law of God is not just a set of rules of edicts issued out from on high, but it is rather more like the sum of God's communication to us, God's heart, uh, and God's um, God's writing, his, his message to humanity about who he is and what he expects of humanity as well. And then meditate is a word that is used throughout the Bible, so we have some uh, kind of context for that. But also, it is a, a fairly common word um, that's used in English and uh, it does mean different things depending on how it's used. Um, meditation, as far as the Eastern traditions go, is different, quite different in many ways, but also similar. Uh, so in Eastern meditation, I did a report on this in high school. <laughs> I still kind of remember it. Um, but basically, it is a way to achieve the state where you are removed from the world. And you are focusing, it starts by focusing on one thing to the exclusion of, of all other things. And then ultimately to the, be able to remove yourself entirely from reality. Or rather from this world, which is not reality in Eastern thought. And uh, meditation in scripture is 
related in that it is about focusing on God, on the law of God, on the word of God, uh, and to the exclusion of other things. Um, but the difference kind of uh, starts there. <laughs> um, it's that it's not about achieving some state of not thought, unthought. It's more about really thinking and dedicating yourself to God and to the law. I liked what Tim Keller said about this. Um, it's that there's two kinds of prayer. Uh, meditation is kind of like prayer. Uh, and there's two kinds of prayer. There's a you start the conversation prayer, uh, an asking prayer. And then there's a answering prayer. So there's a, a prayer where you let God start the conversation. And meditation is that second kind of prayer, basically, where you read what God says and then you think about it and you talk to God about it and think about what it, what it means to your life. And we don't want to be over-applying God's word you know, we don't want to read that one passage about Judas hanging himself and thinking that that's what we need to do. That's that's not the point. It's the point of taking the law of God and really reading and appreciating it for what it is and what it means, um, why God wrote it to us, what did he want us to get out of it. And I think that's kind of the key of meditation is really listening to what God is saying not just to what the, the words on the page are saying, but what is God trying to tell us through the passage. And like I said earlier, this psalm is really an introduction to the psalms in general. So all of this stuff about meditation, about being planted, uh, drawing our source of life from God, uh, all those things the being righteous, seeking after God versus being scornful uh, or scoffers. Those are all things that are going to come back many, many times, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. So I hope that you join me for that as we meditate and talk about and think about God's word to us through the psalmists. hope you enjoyed that podcast and I hope that you'll join me more for Girl Meets Bible where I will look at the Psalms one Psalm a week for quite a while. <laughs> please like and subscribe and please let me know if you have any feedback, questions, or comments. Thanks.